Hello, and welcome to our fourth episode of Belief and Ballots. Our topic is President Joe Biden's faith in politics, harmony or discord. We are excited to welcome Professor Ward Holder. He is a historical and political theologian and a professor of theology and politics at St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire. He is the president of the Society for Reformation Research and previously served as president of the Calvin Studies Society. Among his other works, He has authored Crisis and Renewal, The Era of the Reformations, and has co-authored The Irony of Barack Obama, Barack Obama, Reinhold Niebuhr, and the Problem of Christian Statecraft, as well as Reinhold Niebuhr in Theory and Practice, Christian Realism and Democracy in America in the 21st Century. He has edited A Companion to Paul in the Reformation and John Calvin in Context. His essays have appeared in Christian Century, Church History, Politics and Religion, and Society. His latest book is John Calvin and the Christian Tradition, Scripture, Memory, and the Western Mind. Professor Holder, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me, Catherine. All right, let's start off. Could you just tell us a little bit about your research and what brought you into these fields? Sure. I'm a political theologian and historical theologian, and I am drawn to looking at those kind of figures who are trying to create both worldviews and also particular efforts at changing the world to make it a better place. My historical work has frequently been on a figure named John Calvin. Uh, John Calvin uh, lived in the 16th century, uh, famous reformer, reforming figure, famous for his work in Geneva. But he was also, he had been trained as a lawyer, and his fingerprints are all over the law codes of Geneva. They asked him to help because he was one of the best trained lawyers when they were redoing the uh, laws of Geneva. But he also then sought to say, how do we create a society? How do we be, this is a much later phrase from, uh, from a Puritan, how do we be that shining city on the hill? How do we hold back vice and promote virtue? And, and his efforts were very much on that. Coming to St. Anselm College, a, a small Catholic Benedictine liberal arts college, I had the opportunity to teach more broadly and was frequently teaching on the works of Reinhold Niebuhr. My colleague, Peter Josephson, had said, hey, someday we should teach a course on religion and politics. And I said, that's a great idea for someday. And I had this idea and said, Barack Obama loves Reinhold Niebuhr. Let's do something different. Let's do a course specifically on that. And that became a book. And then it became a second book. And I've worked a lot on Niebuhr and modern Christian realism. And I still find across Christian history, great examples and great opportunities to try to make the culture a little better. All the figures that I work with recognize sin. All of them recognize that there is no creation of the beautiful kingdom of God, the blessed kingdom on earth. They all say, well, we're sinful, but how can we be a little better tomorrow? And and that 
to me, is a worthy goal. Throughout the history of politics, there's always going to be that faith element. And right now we're in the middle of the 2024 election cycle. And in some ways, it is vastly different than previous elections. And faith and politics have evolved tremendously throughout time. What would you say is the significance and the importance of talking about faith tradition for a presidential candidate? Article 6 of the United States Constitution says that there can be no religious test for any officer in the government in the United States. And yet, we've never had a president who is specifically non-Christian. And in general, we have never had anyone even get very close to that. The closest would be Mitt Romney, and, and many Mormons would claim that they are Christian. But Mitt Romney was the party nominee of one of the two major political parties. This fusion of a kind of Christianity, and I call it a kind of Christianity because it's a, it's a civic Christianity. It, it, it is almost the civil religion. And the state has been both extraordinarily fruitful at some places. You know, the Civil Rights Act is built on people saying all people are created in the image of God and thus all people should receive the rights and goods of this society. And some that we could call them at least misguided. I'm not going to take on some that are vicious, but prohibition is an effort to make people be moral. And it's probably misguided. It, it comes from a Christian impulse, but it, it's probably not finally a Christian ideal. So this model, we've seen it throughout our history. Certain presidents have absolutely illustrated it. Uh, a great example, James Madison. James Madison is trained by John Witherspoon, who is a Presbyterian minister. And when you read his Federalist papers and when you read some other things, they, they have those little fingerprints of Reformed Christianity in them. I'm out on a limb here, but I, I'm always comfortable there. Abraham Lincoln. Any historian of American religion is going to say, we don't know whether Lincoln was Christian. And that's true. I can't prove it. But many of his issues are directly related to Christianity. A house divided against itself cannot stand. He's pulling that straight out of the Gospels. Reading his second inaugural that argues that whatever God says, that is right, that, that's inspiring. And this comes down right to the present day. Barack Obama argued that his faith commitments led him to the positions that he took. Even those faith positions that led him to take positions which were different from traditional Christianity. It's not surprising at all that we see in the modern campaigns, all candidates say something about their, their religion and how it fits. An interesting thing, I think, going into this election is you have so many people, young people who are able to vote for the first time. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, you know, the number of people who are atheists or who um, don't identify with a particular religion are more of them are coming to the polls, I think, or will be eligible to in this election. Our latest polling on this from Pew Research Center argues that the number of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, people who say, I have no religious affiliation, is now 29% of the population of America. And that's really meaningful. And those people are, are spread between the majority of them will say, well, I'm something like spiritual, but not religious. 
a small but growing minority says, no, I'm atheist. I don't believe in a God. And for good or ill, this is simply a political calculation, that demographic tends to be more open to voting on the liberal side of cultural issues and thus for Democrats. And that creates a, a real hopscotch or two-step dance for any Democratic candidate, especially a national one. How do I say faith is important to me without saying there's no room for you at our table? Right. And I'd be curious, you know, bearing those ideas and those numbers in mind, how do you think voters respond to candidates' expressions of faith? Do you think that it's playing a significant role in swaying opinions? Or do you think voters, you know, are prioritizing other factors like social issues that are really meaningful to them? For former President Trump, it's absolutely necessary that he say that he is Christian. Evangelicals demand that, and they demand that he will give them the things that they want. And those things are Supreme Court justices who will vote the correct way, especially on religious issues on which they care and vote. And this model of returning to make America great again, which is kind of a fantasy version of the 1950s that is authoritarian, male-dominated, whites in power. Minorities know their place. Trump is a transactional candidate. Trump is a transactional person. I'm going to give you this. What will you give me in return? Biden makes a different play. And again, that dynamic I already spoke of is always at play. He's saying, yes, my faith matters and there is room for us to disagree. I'm not trying to take us back to a place we were before. On the other hand, if you listen to his speeches, he has this kind of singular faith in America where he has fused his Catholicism with a belief that America, when it cooperates, can do anything and solve almost any problem. That's really, really comes across as a religious belief, especially to a theologian listening to it. Right. Could you provide a little more insight specifically into the faith, tradition, and beliefs of President Joe Biden? Sure. This is a fascinating study. Joe Biden, and everyone wants to talk about his age. All right, he's 81. He was born in 1942. That means he was born into the Vatican I Catholic Church or the Tridentine Catholic Church. He was born into a very conservative church that was clear about the lines, clear that Protestants were not going to heaven, clear about their place in the culture. As a young man, Vatican II happened. We're still trying to figure out the meaning of Vatican II. I'm a member, proud member of the theology department at St. Anselm College, and my colleagues are still kind of, well, we said this, What's it mean? How, how do we work that out? And there have been a number of popes, Pope Paul, Pope John Paul I, John Paul II, Benedict XVI, and now Francis, who are all, in some sense, working that out while still running the church. Vatican II is a very different thing than Vatican I or the previous ecumenical council before that. So Biden's life has very much mirrored the change 
and struggles and working through things. When Biden says, my faith has led me to a place where I believe that I should not force my beliefs on someone else, that's actually an extraordinarily Catholic position. Thomas Aquinas in the 13th century said, to work against one's own conscience is always sinful. So Biden coming to a place of conscience where he he argues for the allowance, the opportunity, not the argument that he just wants millions of abortions. No one wants millions of abortions. That's simply a lie. No, he wants people to make those decisions. One hopes a husband, a wife, their spiritual guide, and their doctor, and, and make those kind of decisions. But Biden is also uh, you know, we always say, well, let's talk about abortion. But Biden's positions are also about how do we lift up the downtrodden? Well, that's that's right out of Catholic social teaching. How do we allow people who are poor and coming in at our bo- borders, how do we treat them in a way that Matthew 25 would be recognizable? And Matthew 25 says, Jesus says, insofar as you did not feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, clothe the naked, visit the sick and those in prison. You did not do it to me. Biden is trying to do that while saying, and there is room for people who who don't even believe in any kind of faith. President Biden is a Catholic, but he supports a pro-choice position. So how does that square with his profession of Catholicism? It's a really important and difficult question, Catherine. President Biden takes seriously Catholic teaching on conscience. So that's how he reaches the place that he has come to. He has constantly argued that this has been a journey of faith for him. It is not a political choice, but his faith journey. That is difficult for him as a very active Catholic. And by active Catholic, I mean, this is someone who does attend Mass. This is someone who is interested when he's out campaigning or he is visiting some state on the road, let's say, to make a speech. If he's going to be Saturday night or Sunday morning outside of Washington, he has staffers who will be calling ahead to check, well, if the president comes to your parish tomorrow, will he be able to receive the sacrament? Or do you deny him? We do not argue that you do not have that authority, that ecclesiastical authority. We simply don't wish to have a fight. That dynamic is being worked out in the Catholic Church today in the U.S. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops talked about creating a position. When they did, Pope Francis said, I want it to be pastoral. I don't want it to be punitive. The Archbishop of 
Washington, D.C. is Archbishop Wilton Gregory, one of the few black bishops in the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. He has taken the position that President Biden's position is not inimical to the Catholic faith and so allows it. When polled, about 58, 59 percent of Catholics will say to a, an anonymous pollster that they support some form of the right to choice. When you start cutting that down, it, it can become a lot, a lot less. How far? How many months? But a majority accept some form of choice. This is one of the big issues in Biden's actual personal life because he's an actual Catholic who actually goes to mass and wants to receive the sacrament. And if he were living in certain dioceses or archdioceses, if he were in San Francisco, for instance, an archbishop. Cordelion was his archbishop, he would not be able to receive. This is a tightrope. He walks this. And I think that that walk is significant for him. I think that he recognizes in it that powers that be are frequently engaging with the conscience of the individual believer. How would you say overall President Biden's religious beliefs shape his vision for the United States? I think he would say, and for me, in my read of him, they shape it extraordinarily. They have a, a very large position. Now, as I said before, he has this kind of weird fusion of America and Christianity. So he wants to talk about growing up in Scranton, and somehow that's almost a gospel story for him. But he badly wants to create a society where... People of all different stripes can receive the goods of this society. And for him, that's a very American, but also very Christian ideal. I mentioned Matthew 25, but this is also very much Catholic social teaching. Catholic social teaching will argue the preferential option for the poor is an absolute necessity. The American Care Act, or Obamacare as it's frequently called, has made health care available to millions of people who didn't have it before. Biden would absolutely say that is a place where my faith and my politics lined up in trying to say the top echelons of our society should pay their fair share. So people in the middle and at the low end can have an opportunity. Um, he thinks that that's a, a Christian model rather than simply a democratic model. Could you speak a little bit to how President Biden's views on social issues impact his appeal to Catholic and Democratic voters? He is having a hard time. My read of him is that this is genuine. He is not a faker because he's not good at telling lies, but he really believes the positions he has taken, whether on women being able to have their place in our society or uh, women being able to choose whether or not to terminate their pregnancies or black and brown and red and yellow people having the same uh, chances at success and good schools and good housing as white people. For him, these are all basic to, to what he has taken on. Having said that, in October of 2023, on October 7th, a great evil was perpetrated. And there is no way to say anything 
about that that does not recognize what happened on October 7th is an excruciating evil event. This was hard core vice, and, and we should recognize that for what it is. And President Biden went, the television footage is there, he hugged Prime Minister Netanyahu and said, we are with you. And in the first week, that was a tenable position. But as the months have gone on, and as the Palestinian civilian casualties have grown, most of them are not members of Hamas. Most of them are just civilians. Many are women and children under the age of 15. People are becoming uncomfortable. Even President Biden has tried to put the brakes on with Israel. And to his credit, I, I will point out, at his first visit, he said, don't go too far. America went too far when we were angry. We went too far and it didn't go well for us. He's now struggling with the backlash that is coming. So a lot of the people who are core democratic constituencies, non-whites, young people, they're saying, wait a minute, what about the Palestinians? And I think any thoughtful person can say, October 7th is an egregious sin. And what is happening right now in Gaza is not right. It is possible to hold both those statements and be a coherent thinker and even a coherent Christian. But Biden is struggling. I don't think he's struggling with it himself. I think he's struggling that America likes to do its politics in sound bites, and that level of sophistication and nuance is very hard to do in a soundbite. We saw this. Uh, he was on a college campus, and he was trying to talk about the economy, and he kept getting shouted down by people who were saying, what about Palestine? Two other issues that I think are really prominent social issues during this election are immigration and LGBTQ rights. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit to those issues specifically as well from President Biden's. Sure. The politicization of immigration has been difficult for him. Uh, I don't have any doubt about where his beliefs are. I think we would have a larger Customs and Border Patrol force down there, but we would also have more judges. We would have more facilities. If he was a king, not the president, I think that would already be in place. And we'd be handling this issue. And this, let's be clear, Catherine, this issue arises because of decades of policies that have made the places these people are fleeing unlivable. When you are fleeing because government forces have come to your town, they've come to your house, they've killed your family, and said, we're going to kill you unless you do something you cannot do that is against your conscience, you flee. And U.S. foreign policy was part of that mess. So saying overnight, well, we're just going to build a tall wall and, and that's going to solve it. It, it doesn't, it hasn't, it, and it won't. But this has become a political football. So he's trying to say, can we actually have an immigration policy that allows certain things while also recognizing that America has borders. Unfortunately for him, former President Trump has been putting weight on Republican legislators saying, I don't want a solution. I don't want this solved because this is the issue I, I think I, w I want to run on.
because the economy is really coming back. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. LGBTQ rights, I think he recognizes that certain people are born that way. And if they are born that way, they were created that way. And they should be allowed to love appropriately. And they should be allowed to live, meaning their status should not hold them away from certain things like the ability to inherit, the ability to take care of one's loved ones, the ability to take care of one's children. And that's far closer to what Pope Francis is arguing than, uh, than many other stances. And I'd like to also take a look at, you know, his supporters and their views. And so I'd be curious, how do you think that the religious beliefs of people who are supporting Joe Biden or the lack thereof, right? How do you think that that shapes their vision or their sense of the country? You know, currently he is the president and he's running again. So how do you think that shapes their vision of the United States going forward and presently? The Democratic Party made a crazy and bad decision in the 70s that they would turn away from religion. And this seemed like a good thing in kind of a post-Christian world. And then the world became more Christian, or at least politics did. Joe himself, I have zero doubt that he is a committed Catholic. And, and yes, I say that even knowing that he has a couple of issues that he disagrees with uh, Vatican stances. Uh, find me a perfect Catholic and uh, I'll show you a saint. Having said that, his followers are, are a huge tent. And sometimes him making a claim of faith, while it draws some, it repels others. And that is the particular tightrope that he has to walk throughout this entire campaign. Chris Galdieri is very good at prognosticating. I'm awful at it. So uh, I have no sense. But that will be the tightrope that he walks, trying to say, my faith and these are good models for, for the nation to follow without being either critical or received as critical of those who have left faith commitments behind. Very interesting. Well, Professor Holder, thank you so much for your time. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Catherine. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we did producing it. We value your thoughts and opinions, and we would love to hear from you. Share your feedback, questions, or even topic suggestions by emailing us at campusministry at anselm.edu. Your insights are crucial in shaping the future content of our podcast. If you found this episode valuable, consider sharing it with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Belief and Ballots. A friendly reminder, we at St. Anselm College value fostering open dialogue and diverse perspectives. While we are grateful for our guest insights on this episode, please remember that the opinions expressed are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official stance of St. Anselm College, its campus ministry, or its departments of theology and politics. We encourage you to consider these views critically and engage in further exploration on the discussed topics.